In the fall of 2020, I received a bundle of transcripts and a note asking me to speak for the dead when they themselves cannot. I do not know what these stories contain, but I'm asking you not to fear. Though the dead may speak through us, they can do us no harm. These are the Graveyard Chronicles. Transcript 35 The Doomsday Prophets I'm sure you will all have seen us somewhere. People often misunderstand what we're about. It's not guilt. We are not here to make you feel guilty. We are here to remind you that we are all sinners and that we must repent. If we don't, the flames of hell will engulf us and we shall burn forever. Now, that's not a very nice way to go, is it? For the past six months, I've been assigned to the corner outside of Shepherd's Bush Station. It is a hectic place, even on the best of days, but the weekends are particularly tricky. Not because there are more people. The more people around, the higher the chances are that we shall get through to someone. No, it's tricky because on the weekends, people generally have more time. And that means more time for arguing against the word of the Lord. We are all accustomed to it, but it is tiring nonetheless. This all happened on a Sunday morning. The wind was quite chilly that day, and I'd covered myself in two jumpers and a jacket. That day, I was with Diana, a middle-aged woman with short-cropped hair and slouching shoulders, who had an unyielding belief in the good word. My throat was dry from speaking all morning. I sipped on the water from a plastic bottle as I listened to Diana's chanting words. Praised be the Lord, my children, you are doomed, but it is not too late. The Lord watches you. He who is above us looks down upon you at night. The Almighty One shall count the hairs on your head and judge you worthy of his love. Accept his gifts or perish. Diana has always had a way with words. The manner in which she expresses her beliefs simply moves me to tears. But it is always discouraging to see how the non-believers scoff at her heartfelt honesty. It was that very feeling of intense disappointment that filled me as I closed my water bottle and prepared myself to join Diana in her chanting. I just opened my mouth to speak when I noticed a strange man who was watching me. Perhaps calling him a man would be incorrect. He was more of a boy, really. Barely old enough to drink, I should say. He was wearing only a t-shirt and an open flannel, despite the cold. No jacket. His red hair was blowing gently in the wind, and a pair of intense green eyes stared at me from the featureless face. From somewhere that seemed very far off, Diana's words rang out into the ether. 
The Lord shall punish us for our sins. It is almost too late. Repent and we shall enter the kingdom of heaven together. Somehow, when I stared into the eyes of the strange boy, my sister's words sounded hollow as they slipped out between her lips. The sensation terrified me beyond belief. Was I losing my faith? It could not be. It was then that he walked over to me. His strange eyes, almost glowing in the sharp daylight, never left mine for a moment. He tilted his head to one side, rather like a dog would. How come you're all so eager for the end of the world to come? He asked me. It's not that we're eager for it to come, but we're happy to know that when it does, we will be the righteous ones, and we want others to follow our path. And what exactly do you think will happen? The earth shall be cleansed. Those who do not believe must and will suffer. There is no other way around it. Hmm. Belief. He tasted the word, rolled it around in his mouth, frowned and smiled faintly. I don't think you even know what that word means. Such an insolent boy. Had I been a less patient woman, I might have said something to him. But as it was, I kept my mouth shut, trying hard to remind myself that his words were not true. Nothing could shake me in my belief. But even as I thought of the words, I sensed that they were untrue. It was as if every letter, every sound that came out of his mouth, chipped off little pieces of my belief and scattered them to the wind. I believe in the Lord, I said stubbornly. The boy's red hair danced frantically in the wind. With the sun blazing behind him, they looked like flames. Do you now? Yes, I do. I do, I do, I do glanced over at Diane, but she seemed oblivious to the whole thing. When I looked back at the boy, he moved closer towards me. His lips almost grazed my ears as he whispered to me, He's not real, you know, but I am. Who are you? I've had many names, many faces. The details do not really matter. He stopped talking for a moment, and I sensed that he was watching my sister as she chanted her beliefs to the deaf crowds of Shepherd's Bush. Well, if you really want the end of the world to happen so badly, I'll show you what it'll be like. I did not move, and neither did the boy. But somehow, the world around us changed. The shopping centres and the corner shops burst into flames and crumbled to the ground. The towering ads melted as an unbearable heat smothered us and the pretty faces on the screen distorted into demonic grimaces. A robotic female voice ringing out from a set of speakers chanted, You are perfect. You are perfect. 
You are perfect. The ground burst open in wide cracks. I breathed in but found myself choking on a thick, smothering smoke. What? What? What's happening? I stammered. What you wanted to happen? The boy replied, smiling. He seemed completely unbothered by the heat and the smoke. Let's walk on for a bit. If I could have said no, I would. But what other choice did I have? I could not simply stay and watch the world burn on my own. We made our way towards Westfield, where I deliberately averted my eyes from the horrifying ads with their distorted faces and soulless voices. But there was no escaping the terror. Along the ground, bodies lay scattered, fresh blood seeping out from underneath them like blossoming flowers. Not all of them were in one piece. Some barely even looked human. I opened my mouth and released a stream of yellow bile onto the ground. After wiping my mouth with a shaking hand, I asked the boy, Is it like this everywhere? Oh, yes. We're very thorough when it comes to tying up loose ends. Though my whole life had revolved around thinking and preparing for the inevitable end, this seemed much worse than anything I, or anyone I knew, could have conjured up in our minds. The images were bad enough, but the smells, the nauseating smell of rot and blood and feces, that nearly drove me out of my mind. I had to center myself focus my mind. Otherwise, I would go mad. I had to remember that we were the righteous ones. We were the ones who would not suffer so. This sight, this madness was tragic, but it was not my destiny, or that of my brothers and sisters, to lay bleeding out on the cracked ground. They should have accepted their salvation when there was still time. I whispered, forcing myself to look straight into the boy's unnerving eyes. The laugh that escaped his pale lips made me wince as it rang out loudly in the unconsecrated graveyard we were standing in. This world, this version of our world that we were in was a dead world. Its violent shades of red would fade in time. But I felt certain that this boy whatever he was, would be alive beyond all of that. He was so determinedly and frighteningly alive, as if even death could not bring itself to kill him. Without another word, he walked on, stepping over bodies easily, and I followed unwillingly on his heels. The glass panes on the front doors of the shopping centre had been smashed to pieces. We walked through the crystallised mess into the artificially lit corridors of the abandoned Westfield. In its midst, where the burned carcass of a car had once been part of a proud display, rows upon rows of crosses had been erected. On them, I saw the lifeless bodies of my brothers and sisters, their once so angelic faces twisted, twisted, 
into painful death masks. No, no, it can't be. The boy cared little for my pain. He had his hands firmly placed inside his pockets. The false prophets. No one really likes them, do they? I'm afraid you'll be some of the first to go. My head was spinning. I couldn't bring myself to look at the remains of what I had considered my family for over a decade now. There was so little of my faith left. I could feel the slivers of belief almost slipping through the cracks. I had to hold on. But we are the chosen ones. The righteous ones. <laughs> you are fools. Paranoid fools who waste your lives away, spreading misery and fear. What good does your preaching do? If the end does come, your fear-mongering will make no difference to the outcome, except to plant the seeds of mistrust and paranoia amongst your fellow men. We meant good. We always meant good. Only for yourselves. And that will count for very little, if the end does come. Desperately, I picked up on the one word and clung to it. If? So the end might not come. Maybe this won't... won't actually happen? My heart felt lighter at the thought of it. I wanted all of this to go away. I wanted the sight and the smells to be surgically removed from my brain and to return to my life as I knew it. The boy shrugged. The world's come and go. But your kind, your demise has already been written. A great painful knot settled itself in my stomach. As I opened my mouth to ask what he meant, the world around us changed once more. The buildings were rebuilt by invisible hands and the blood flowers retreated into the bodies from which they had come. The corpses stood up and walked about as if nothing had happened. The world was whole once more. When I turned to look at the boy, he had vanished into thin air and I was left standing there feeling like None of the people around me were really there, as if I was all alone in the world. Diane chanted on with religious fervour. Had it all been a dream? Diane noticed my vacant stare and put a hand on my shoulder. Is anything wrong, sister? I couldn't bring myself to look into her eyes. If I did, I was afraid she would see how my faith was slipping. Diane, do you really believe we'll make it through the end? Of course, of course we will. We are the chosen ones. Grabbing my chin with her hand, she forced me to look at her. We are the chosen ones. Yes. I nodded thoughtfully, willing myself to believe it. We are the chosen ones. 
Three hours later, my shift ended and I said goodbye to Diane, who was walking in the opposite direction to get home. I hadn't been able to shake the experience off me, but the more I looked at the world around me, the less I believed that anything had even happened. Shepherd's Bush was as it had always been, and there was no stench of rot hanging in the air. The light on the crossing turned green, and I put my boots down to cross the road. Once I was halfway over, I heard a car honking their horn and turned around to face whoever it was. To my left, raising, but no sign of stopping, was a red double-decker bus. And behind the wheel, sporting a busman's uniform and fixing me with those menacing eyes, was the red-haired boy. His featureless face cracked into a humorless grin as he crashed the boss into my body. The Graveyard Chronicles is a podcast written and narrated by Lizzie Van Tamber. Subscribe to The Graveyard Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Thank you for listening. <laughs>